Welcome to The Healthy Beast. Today I'm joined by Robin Emerson, whose daughter Georgia was the first child in the UK to get a legal prescription for cannabis for her severe epilepsy. Robin, welcome. Hi, Richard. So Georgia's four now. And what age was she when you first knew something was up? Well, say Georgia was born in February 2016. We thought Georgia was fine. We thought she was just a typical child. Um, when she was born, we didn't see, we weren't even aware that she had a, any medical condition, that she had a chromosome deletion. It actually took until she was 10 months old until we discovered um, that she actually had started to have issues. Uh, one of the consultants had spotted on George's hand that she only had one single crease on her hand and that her, her head circumference was smaller than what it was supposed to be. So that triggered us to go and get genetic testing, which then eventually came back after a couple of months to tell us that Georgia had this extremely rare chromosome deletion. But um, at that same time where we hit around 10 months, then Georgia started to take her first ever, what we then discovered were seizures. Uh, the first time actually, Richard, she went into hospital. Um, she was playing in her jumperoo that she had at that time and she banged her toe what we had thought and she threw her head back and her eyes went into the back of her head and um, so she was it was her mum actually was with her and rushed her into hospital because her eyes had went into the back of her head and they had thought that it was just from pain from from hurting her toe um, but that later transpired that that was actually our first ever seizure that we had that we had noticed and the start of the the road of the journey that we had to travel. So this is 10 months, you're 10 months old. Yes, yes, that was the start of things. <laughs> and what treatments were offered to you at that stage? So at that stage then she went into um, the Ulster Hospital in Northern Ireland. And what they decided to do was start her straight away on Eplum uh, medication. It was a liquid form then. Um, we had to wait for a neurology appointment. There was no neurology appointments available. Um, and they said that the next neurology appointment was going to be about six months away to see a neurologist, even though Georgia had started the seizure process. So they started her in Eplum, to which it seemed to start to get things under control um, for a wee bit. And the seizures seemed to be a bit less um, than what was happening. And then um, we hit the summer of 2016 and things just started to get worse and worse and worse and Georgia's seizures were just steadily increasing and increasing so much that we ended up in um, 999 calls I would have said at least once to twice a week so it was it was getting really really bad at this stage. Must have been terrifying at this stage. Oh it was Never experienced anything like it, um, Richard, in my life. Um, I always try to stay away from doctors and hospitals like, like we all do. And, and, and being a man, I'm probably more scared and more worried about them um, at that stage of my life. Um, so I, I certainly seen the, my pride and joy and, and, you know, my daughter means everything to me. Um, being in that situation was, was, you know, I felt totally helpless, to be honest. Um, scared, didn't know what to do at a loss. I'm a, very much a person who likes to be in control of situations. And I felt for the, you know, one of the first times in my life, totally out of control. And were they, were, you, were, you, were sometimes the seizures more manageable or was it, were you, so you're back and forth to hospital all the time or did you sometimes know what to do? Or? No, it was always back and forth the the hospital and they started introducing more medications as time went on, they started introducing you know, uh, med medications such as Keppra. Then as she started to get stays in hospitals, so they started to introduce melatonin and chlorohydrate um, and all these concoctions and mixtures of, of, of medications. Um, unfortunately, nothing was working. It just, was just getting worse and worse, um, and things were getting more and more frightening. And she went in... The, the hospital for the first time in early July, um, where she, the, sorry, the first time that she went to intensive care in early July, and she was really bad. She got rushed in, 999 call. They couldn't get her around. They, it was one of the most horrifying things I've ever had the experience in my life. Um, they couldn't bring George out. They couldn't even get a line in there because they were trying to get a line to try and get medications in there because she's um, very thick. Um, baby skin um, at this time and 
um, our fans were very, very hard to get. So they actually started to drill in their kneecaps um, with what they call IRs without any anesthetics, etc. And I'm watching this and in total bits and not knowing what to do. And they uh, rushed Georgia around to get her an MRI and that all came back, you know, with, with nothing at that stage. And um, then they decided that they were going to have to transfer her um, to ICU because she wasn't coming around. And that was that was the first time Georgia ended up in, in intensive care. And that was a whole different experience totally again. Um, you go into this section where it's just surrounded intensive care is the most horrendous place ever for for children um it's this one big room there's a couple of side rooms but mainly this one big type room ward and there's these children all in ventilators of all various ages and it's just horrendous so it is so you're 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 experiencing your own hardship as a, as a parent but yet you're seeing other children very close to their parents and their hardship so it's it's all actually makes the situation even worse um and it was just it was a horrendous situation but georgia she came out um they ended up they they put her in the different rescue medications um in the different things that they 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 did with her and they managed to bring her out of seizure um so she came out of seizure and Georgia came round, and that was after three days. And she was typical back to Georgia again. She was smiling, she was giggling, she was laughing. She was like, you know, what what are you all crying about and worried about? I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. And uh, back catching her feet and her toes, and it was just brilliant. And they decided to transfer us back to the our local hospital and back to the Ulster Hospital, their primary care. So we got transferred back to, to the Ulster um, Hospital. And then later on the following day, after transfer, uh, Georgia started to creep procedures, started to creep in again. They were getting worse and worse throughout the day. Um, I personally felt that the doctors weren't stepping in um, quick enough. They were very disorganized. This was couldn't have been worse timing. So it was the holiday season in Northern Ireland as they call it the uh, marching season <laughs> back home. And on the 10th of July, um, Georgia, that was when she went into it and she was getting worse and worse and worse throughout that time. They tried different rescue medicines. They weren't really working. Georgia would fall asleep for a wee bit, but then when she woke back up, she would go into um, seizure again. Um, in that evening, things started to progress even worse and worse. And the hospital was taking direction from the 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 other hospital that that uh, she'd been in intensive care with the, the royal, and they were telling them what medications to use, etc. Nothing was working, as I said. Georgia was just getting worse and worse, and they actually gave her one medication, and Georgia fell asleep briefly. Um, and myself and her mum were were sleeping in the bed um, beside her. And then we just heard Georgia starting to get upset. And bear in mind, Richard, Georgia didn't get upset. This was part of her chromosome deletion. She, she would have, wouldn't have cried. So this was also very startling that this was her actually getting upset and crying. And she was in distress and you could see she was in distress. I started to get very agitated with, with one of the doctors. It was the consultant that was in place and said, you know, something needs to be done here you know we can't continue we're gonna what is happening and it ended up at that stage it just got very very out of hand um george's heart rate um dropped um went up to went went up to one over 150 beats per minute and then instantly dropped down to 50. um so we could we we, we later found out you know that was george's heart starting to give out um and at this stage, our mum started screaming um, for somebody to help us. And uh, it was just, it was honestly like a nightmare, like something you would watch in a movie and think it was far-fetched. Um, nobody had a clue what to do. The, the, the doctors were clueless on what, on what to give her and what to do while Georgia was lying there um, in seizure. I was begging them to get the um, anaesthetist up to, to incubate Georgia um, they eventually did and they called in the consultants that night and um, 
Damien, the, the, um, who I actually knew, the uh, anaesthetist, come up and uh, put Georgia to sleep then and put her on the, a ventilator for transfer in the hospital. So I pushed Georgia out of her seizure as she's um, put deep, deep in the, deep in the sleep. Um, that was, so I took 17 hours, Richard, from when that started to when it ended. Um, later we found out, you know, um, many months later that the, the, the process actually in the UK for when a child enters seizure is you have a pathway and they go down a various pathway, depending on the child with various medications. But once you hit one hour, you're then meant to incubate that child and transfer them to intensive care. Georgia sat for 17 hours before they eventually incubated her and took her into intensive care. But um, little did we know that what was ahead of us was going to be the worst road ever. It was a lot worse than, than what we ever thought. So we went into intensive care. Um, they did an MRI on her straight away. I was a bit confused um, at the time. I remember why they did an MRI because they knew the reasons why Georgia was having seizures. It was her epilepsy. It was her chromosome deletion. What were they wanting to see from an MRI? It wouldn't show anything. So I was a bit confused, but they took her downstairs for an MRI. Um, they came back up and Georgia and say, we stayed that night. She was on, on our ventilator in a deep sleep. Um, next day, uh, the, the neurologist who we had met um, a couple of times previously to this now, this stage, came to us and said that, um, came to the foot of bed and says, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. Uh, George is not going to make it. She's not going to survive. Um, I says, what do you mean George is not going to make it? Um, well, it looks like her, her, her brain's decaying and it's, it's, it's going backwards. Nice. What do you mean her brain's decaying? What's that got to do with where we are in her epilepsy and her seizures? He says, well, this is what's showing up on the, on the um, MRI, that her white matter was disappearing on her brain. And he said it was part of her chromosome deletion. I said, I've never heard of this ever linked to her chrom this chromosome deletion before. Because we're a member of a private support group um, Richard for that specific deletion um, it's called a 1Q43 Q44 deletion and most of these children are all based in America or Australia and you know we've all talked as parents and it was nobody had ever highlighted that this could possibly be something that these that you know the children could face so I, I, I didn't understand it, but he was adamant that, that Georgia was, you know, his last words was, was that still your little girl lying there? But, you know, the way he implied was we had hours, days left with Georgia, and basically that was it. Um, and if she did come around out of the seizures that, you know, to take her home to die was was what he, what he said. Um, I remember when he told me and... Uh, I left the hospital. Um, I went downstairs and out the front doors. I just needed fresh air. And all sorts went through my mind at that stage. Uh, as a father, it was, how did it come to this? How was I, how was I left in this situation? Um, everything flies before me. And, you know, I haven't spoke about it a lot, but m my life flies before me then of, of, is there any point of me continuing? And, and all these thoughts were going through my head. Um, I don't know what happened, but I decided to go inside and write a message on that group and ask, had anybody ever heard of this, of a brain decay? And within, um, within about half an hour, I had over 80 people come back to me from around the world saying, um, get a second opinion. They've never heard of this ever linked to our chromosome deletion, um, you know, ask more questions, find out what, why is he saying this? So that spurred me on. And I went up and told George's mom what they'd said. Um, I rang my brother and then I rang a friend of mine, actually, who is a, was a consultant in NA. He, he, he suggested my, my friend that I ask for the word sister and say, you know, you're not happy and you want to meet him with the consultants, the head of ICU and the, the the neurologist to say what your findings were and, and, and etc. So that's what I did. And I requested a meeting and myself and uh, my brother met with them. Um, my brother sat so he could take notes. 
to which one of the straight away got very irate, the head of intensive care, and said to my brother, why are you taking notes? And he says, because you're, you've just told my brother that his daughter's going to die. And I think he's very emotional and he needs to take everything in. So I'm going to take notes of this meeting and what we're saying. He says, right, right. Well, I'm very uncomfortable with you taking notes of what's happening during this, during this meeting. So um, I'm sitting there, bear in mind, I've just been told a few days beforehand that, that Georgia was going to die. And I said my, my part that what, you know, I'd, I'd been told during this time, I'd also spoke with Unique who are the body who are in charge of like rare chromosome deletions across the world. So during this time, I, get a, I got a good talk with, with, um, with uh, them. And again, they had never heard of it linked to this chromosome deletion. So I chatted this all out with the doctors and the consultants, and they got very, very irate with me again. Asked me, the, the, the neurologist in particular started to shout at me. Why was I questioning him? How dare I question him? He's a doctor. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, I am George's father. It's my job to question you and re-question you on, a, on what is happening. I said, I need to understand the facts of what is, what is you know, happening in this situation. So we spoke, spoke through that. Um, he said there was this paper that linked it to her chromosome deletion. I said, well, produce this paper, please, for me. I'm still waiting to this day for this paper to be produced. Um, so that 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 didn't happen. The discussion then moved on to Georgia being um, an intensive care at the moment. It was recommended by a lot of the parents that what they had found with, with their children was if we could put Georgia into a deeper sleep that, to try and reset her brain to get her out of seizure. They argued with me that this wouldn't work, but eventually agreed with me to do it. So they put her under um, a heavy sedation of, of morphine to really... Um, bring her into a deep, deep sleep. And, and, and she was, at this time, the machine was nearly totally breathing for her. Um, they did this um, for, for the next 24 hours. And then they, um, they started to turn down the machine. It, it had worked. It had brought Georgia out of seizure. So um, they could eventually turn it down, down, got Georgia off, off, her, um, off her ventilator. But unfortunately, Richard, the worst was yet still to come where we discovered that Georgia had lost her smile, lost her laugh. Her smile? Uh, yeah, everything. She couldn't catch her feet. She just lay there. She had went totally backwards, everything that she had learned um, through that first um, you know, year of her life. She had uh, totally went backwards and, 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 and lost all that. It was totally heartbreaking. As, as parents, the worst thing ever, that was you know she couldn't smile anymore she couldn't it had all gone um and you know i i discovered then afterwards that that was part of having a seizure that that's what that can do and it can do, you know just destroy parts of the, the the brain um and what is happening now some of it can be reversible and uh, uh, m m lots of it is but um it causes damage um to the brain the longer you're in seizure the longer that fire is let go in the brain uncontrolled, the more damage it does. But we were happy Georgia was round. She wasn't in seizure. Um, yet again, um, she was doing well. Um, no seizure. So we got her transferred back to the Ulster Hospital again. We stayed in the Ulster Hospital. It must have been for about over a month after that. And Georgia was fine. No, the seizures weren't there. But her, as I said, no smile, no laugh everything like that had gone. So we got Georgia home and we had her different types of medication. Um, I, I thought at this stage that we're going to need to discover more. We're going to need to find out. We started to ask for second opinions. Um, they wouldn't give us a second opinion on Georgia's care. I wanted another MRI scan. They wouldn't give us it. Um, the NHS had blocked the second opinion um, right across the UK. We couldn't get it anywhere. Um, we then became the main news headline in Northern Ireland. I decided to go public and decided to hire um, a legal firm at that time to get George's medical notes because they wouldn't release George's medical notes to me. And we became, as I said, the main news headline in Northern Ireland where we were desperate to ask for a second opinion. They wouldn't give us one. 
So this is this is long. This is before any cannabis yep, sto- stories you've been involved with. This was just yeah. that they were, um, yeah. This was just to do with them not doing what you're asking. Yeah, just to, to, to not giving a second to telling us that she was dying. Yeah. So uh, during the time, Georgia on her notes at this time, Georgia was dying. That's what they had said. She was going to die at any stage, um, and her brain was going backwards. Is what they had said. Um, so eventually we, we did some fundraising, we did some bits and pieces, ended up we um, got some funding together and we found Boston Children's Hospital in America. Mm-hmm. Um, our legal team got all George's notes and we transferred all her notes and their material across to Boston Children's Hospital in America. They came back to us after a couple of months and said to us that they'd reviewed George's care and Georgia was not dying and that her brain was not decaying and it was not going backwards and that they didn't know where Belfast had got this from. So obviously we were really happy, and but how, really shocked at how, what had happened. And how did you get this news? Was this just a, an email or something? They, they emailed a report through, but they phoned us first. Where's so they, 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 they arranged a, a, a consultant's appointment, the consultants in America then phoned us to chat to us and talk it through. And... In my heart as a father, I, I knew always Georgia wasn't dying. You know, I, I, as upset I was for the news I was, something inside me always told me Georgia was not dying because she was doing so well up till she had that seizure. So common sense told me if Georgia's brain was decaying, she would have had the assurance signs. She wouldn't have been progressing, doing more things, learning more skills. She would have been surely going backwards. Common sense would tell anybody that. Um, it was up until she had that seizure was when she started to lose the skills and things went backwards. So um, they asked that, that Belfast did another MRI. They wouldn't do it at first and then eventually agreed. They did an, another MRI in Belfast and discovered again what Boston had said was right. Her brain had, had not been decaying and had not been getting any worse. But what Boston Children's did highlight at the time was George's um, anti-seizure medication. And they said, look, some of this medication is extremely dangerous, what she's on. Um, it's medication that we don't prescribe here in in uh, America. Um, chlorohydrate in particular, which is an unlicensed medication here in the UK. It has no bearing, no RCT trials. Nothing has ever been done on it. No tests. They ever say whether it should be, should be used for the treatment of epilepsy or not. It's actually meant to be used um, for no longer than two weeks process for um, to sedate a child for um, a hospital procedure. That's what, it, that's what it's okay for, um, but it's, it's actually unlicensed. We've got this news from America. We've got this, and then America said this, um, one of the things they had mentioned to us was medical cannabis that, that was starting to be used in America at this stage and they were seeing some very early good results and had it been something that you know that I'd thought about at, at that time and coincidentally actually at the exact same time was the case locally in Northern Ireland of Billy Caldwell so I'd started to see a few items of Billy in the news and how, how well it was doing and then I'd actually spoken to Charlotte at that time, who explained to me how well it had done for Billy. And, and, and his mother. Yeah, and the transformation that it had made to the Billy's life. Um, so uh, w- w- once I'd, I'd seen a lot of that locally, and then the main, the main thing that made me start my road was there was a young child in Australia um, called Emmy, and she had the exact same chromosome deletion as Georgia, there was actually only 10 days of difference in age, uh, believe it or not, between them. They, they, they looked like sisters. And um, the only difference was Emmy was on medical cannabis and she was thriving. She was a happy child. She was sitting up. She was being able to do all these things that Georgia couldn't do. Um, at this time, Georgia was just, you know, on all these concoctions of drugs. She couldn't even lift her head of a pillow. She was so sedated, saliva out of the corner of her mouth. Just horrendous. Wasn't living at all. So that that started me in my process of medical cannabis. Um, I I started to investigate it more and more. Started to do a lot of googling. Started researching, reading papers on it online. Started to speak to anybody that would take my call in Canada, and started to move move forwards on it, and started the campaign for the use of medical cannabis. And then that's when I decided to 
to go public and start campaigning. Um, I met with politicians back home in, in Northern Ireland. I met with um, politicians in Westminster. Um, I knew this was something that I had to try for Georgia. Uh, um, it was working for this other wee girl. It was working for, for Billy Caldwell. It was working for all these different people that we could see. Can I take you back a step? So you, when you first found out about it, you were told that it could be beneficial for Georgia by the hospital in yep. Boston. Did you know anything about it being used for the for other kids at that point? No, I didn't know anything about it being used for, for kids at that point. I just started actually that. It would been probably that same week that I see that I had seen the case of Billy Caldwell and then started to talk to Charlotte. Um, Georgia was still in hospital actually at this stage. And I'd started to talk to Charlotte and, and she had recommended that I that I progress and, and move forwards on it, that it that was really helping Billy. And what were your first thoughts? Were you, were you skeptical at first or did you, were you? I think it was just um, my first thoughts were I had to give this a go was my first thoughts that we'd run out of options with Georgia. So what else were we going to do? Um, and the fact that I could see it working and the fact that I could see this um, child in, in Australia with the exact same chromosome deletion as Georgia and it was working in our group, you know, why wouldn't I give it a go? was 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 my thoughts and if if georgia was on all these other medications that were unlicensed and um why not try medical cannabis why not see if it worked um and then as i said done a lot of reading and understood that epidiotics um etc was coming onto the scene as well and starting to to be introduced in the uk and hopefully been around the corner as well so it was all starting and that was the first that was the first licensed cannabis medicine right it, it, it is yeah. yes it's, it's it's a first license cannabis medication at that uh, around that same sort of time what I decided to do then was actually we we decided to try Georgia on a CBD um, oil and over the counter oil which actually did it it did help it made improvements and we could see improvements on her but she was still having seizures but we could see they weren't as aggressive and they weren't as, as many of them so we could see that you know something was working um but then as I say as the more I started to understand Richard was that you know, some of these kids required THC to be added in the products. Um, and that seemed to be the, the difference when, when the cases were very bad, like George's, um, that, 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 that this extra bit needed to be done. And obviously at this time, it was still illegal in the United Kingdom and you couldn't get access to it. So when you, so did you mention it right away to, to your doctors? What I actually did, because at this time, whenever with the the condition with George's brain I decided to try and find another neurologist and I couldn't find any locally um because the northern island being so small so I actually found uh which is George's neurologist to this day which was at the Portland hospital in London a, a private neurologist and I arranged for Georgia to get a consultation with her and we flew across with Georgia um, for a consultation, things were starting to get, you know, bad for Georgia again. The seizures were creeping in back again. It went through a wee lull period, and then they were creeping in, getting, getting bad again. And we took her across and met Georgia's Dr. Martinez, Georgia's uh, doctor now, and she was just brilliant. She just everything that I had thought inside that about her different medications and about all the different. She was just totally there to listen to help to do whatever we needed to do and I discussed with her about medical cannabis um, at, at that first meeting and said that you know I would like to because I realized it was illegal in, in the UK and I would like to send Georgia to Canada um, and I'd spoke to some doctors at, at a hospital in Canada who would be willing to take Georgia across and start her on the medication and would she but I needed a sign off from a consultant in the UK and would she be willing to do that um to which she agreed and said that she would be willing to, to, to sign that off for Georgia to be transferred to Canada now at that same stage we were all campaigning and there was lots of campaigning going on in the UK at the the Billy Caldwell case you had the Hannah Hannah Dick and we Alfie them was sort of going on there in the media as well um so it was all sort of happening at once then that everything was hitting the headlines Billy Caldwell then had returned back from Heath, the, the, the Heathrow from Canada. Um, I actually was there to meet them coming back, myself and a number of other parents who were all hopeful to put our children on the medication. And we met her coming back in. Unfortunately, 
what we didn't realize at that time was because it was such a a why a, a, a incident that got a lot of media attention globally at the time um it caused a lot of fraction between the uk and 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 canada and the hospital that georgia was due to go to then came back to us and said that um they weren't uh willing to take georgia across the canada anymore because of because of what was happening so we well, thought they, we were they just didn't want to get involved with the media yeah, they didn't want to get involved. When the, their exact words were to me, it would cause a diplomatic incident between the United Kingdom and Canada, oh, and wow. they couldn't they couldn't continue with it. So that was me back to stage one with, with Georgia of what to do and carrying on campaigning for the, the legalisation for it to be changed here. It was a race against time, Richard, this time, because Georgia's seizures were getting worse and worse. We were doing everything we could as parents to keep her out of out of hospital and out of intensive care. You know, we were going in early with our rescue medications, sedating her in, at home, you know, really just trying to sedate her to, to the fact we knew it wasn't a long-term solution, but trying to do it, the fact of just trying to, to keep Georgia okay and in place rather than in hospital. You know, I knew as a father, if she ended up back in hospital, I would lose her. Um, so it was just, you know, had ha, had to do this. This had to happen. Um. So what I say, all the campaigning was ha- happening. Everybody was doing great. Um, at that time, then they get the the Alfie Dingley had got his license, which was fantastic news. And we could see real traction starting to happen. And then um, Sajid made that announcement that there was going to be a review in place and 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 have a look at at, at the the current regulations. And then he came back to make the further announcement that. Um, Dame Sally had done her review and could see that there was medicinal benefit to um, products containing THC and that they, they announced the law was going to change on the 1st of November. So I was absolutely over the moon. I thought, fantastic, George's, we're not going to have to take her to Canada. We're not going to have to, to do all these elements and we're going to be able to get it at home. And I went to George's neurologist and talked it all through she had already read a lot of the studies of being done in Canada and all the different sites. So she knew a bit about it, about medical cannabis anyway at this time, because um, she was Colombian and uh, in the early days, so they'd, they'd been using it and um, she'd seen it used in, 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 in other countries. So she knew a bit about it and um, she was willing to write the prescription once the law changed. So she wrote that first prescription for Georgia. I think it was around the 3rd of November and I was over the moon, elated, flying back home to Belfast, telling George's mum, I've done it, we've got this prescription, George is going to start in this medication. I got on the plane, arrived home, to which I had an email waiting for me arriving home to tell me that the prescription was being withdrawn and it was being redacted, that that, that Georgia wasn't going to get her, her medication anymore, that the gov- uh, BPNA and some other organisations had made contact with George's uh, neurologist to say that she shouldn't prescribe that medication to Georgia and that it was untested and untrialed. We didn't understand the side effects and the various different elements that we have today. So <laughs> back again... <laughs> So somebody, so who'd been in contact? You said the British... The British Pediatric Neurology Association mm. had been in contact with George's neurologist to say, you know, do you realise that this hasn't been tested? Do you realise the the implications of this prescription, etc.? And that potentially this could impact your career if you if you write this prescription for, for Georgia. So um, that wasn't good. <laughs> so, How do you feel uh, at this point? I felt empty, but I'd come this long and I wasn't giving up. So I'm probably more driven at this point than anything. I jumped on my phone straight away and rang my local MP, Gavin Robinson, who was extremely supportive right from the start of this journey. And he was fantastic and spoke in the house many times on George's behalf. And he really was very, very good. And himself and then the team, at um, Enderpain um, had, had met me at this same time and Peter offered his help to, to, to get the prescription moved forward and I, I was over the moon and thanked Peter um, for, for coming on board to help me as well and um, a lot of the MPs had all gotten on board and actually 
um, Peter had contacted one of the directors within the NHS about this the situation that there was a doctor willing to write this prescription that was taken back. And that doctor actually, believe it or not, wrote a letter to Dr. Martinez. So the, the director in the NHS wrote a letter to Dr. Martinez and said, look, if you want to prescribe, this is your decision. Do not feel that this is going to impact on your career. If you feel this is the right thing to do, then write a prescription for Georgia. So that was fantastic. And um, Georgia's prescription got reinstated. And Georgia became, that December, Georgia got her prescription and became the first child in the United Kingdom once the law changed to receive a license for, or sorry, receive a prescription for um, medical cannabis. And uh, I was just absolutely over the moon. And um, all the media picked up on it. And it was across all the national newspapers and all the others that Georgia had got this prescription, this toddler. And um, it was just fantastic. The next hurdle I hadn't even thought of was the fact of how I was going to pay for it all. <laughs> and and that, that was the next problem. So, it was, so, so this was a private prescription at this point? It was, yeah, private prescription. But you also, um, so you didn't know how you are going to pay for it. And you also, I mean, you couldn't be 100% sure how effective it was going to be at this point. No, d- didn't know how effective it was going to be. Didn't know how I was going to pay for it. So it was just, it was all unknowns. Um, we went through a bit of a process because it would, when it had been imported into the UK before for the other children, it was done through a slightly different process. Now it was legal. It had to be done through different departments and through a different process. So they were sort of writing this as they went along um, on George's case. And I have to say everybody at the, the home office was fantastic, very, very helpful. Um, Sajid's PPS at that time, um, Simon Hoare, um, was very, very helpful in getting George's medication imported into the UK as well. And, 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 and everybody, you know, the importers, everybody worked together to get, get it across um, the line. But um, we got it in, got it in the UK and it was costing me um, £920 per bottle um, at that time. Um, of the medication so because of, she was only starting off on it a bottle would last about a month um, but I would have to come to London to collect it each time as well so I would have to get my flights and have, have, have all the different costs implicated in that as well but you know you do what you have to do and I, I, I you know as a family we we said we will find the money no matter what we have to do we have to sell the clothes of our backs we will do it to, to make sure Georgia gets our medication and, and that's what we did. And everybody did work together, the whole family and friends of mine and everybody all came in to support. And um, Georgia got her uh, a medication. For the first five weeks, um, nothing, was, nothing was happening. And I was getting nervous. <laughs> Had I come this whole journey and this wasn't going to happen and nothing was going to work. Um, after the fifth week, we started to see reductions in Georgia's seizures. And the seizures started to reduce and reduce and reduce as we started to step up the medication till we started to really get to this um, sweet spot, as you would say. And uh, her medi- her, her, it just seemed to be working really, really well. And her, her, her seizures were all starting to um, come back. So she was having over 30 seizures a day at this point. And they were reducing more and more and more to, you know, 20 a day, to 10 a day, till three or four a day. And none of them was resulting in, in her needing her rescue medication, which was fantastic. So everything was working. Um, I'm, I'm great at this point. And all our, 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 you know, we were finally there, Richard, and, and, and everything was going great. We then hit a bit of a hiccup as we traveled down the road was the manufacturer that was manufacturing George's medication at that time decided that they um, couldn't operate within the UK anymore and that they were changing some of their regulations and changing bottle sizes and different things that they were going to have to do. That was going to leave us in a horrible position of George had started this medication to this specific formulation and that she wasn't going to be able to get access anymore to this this medication. Um, but I'm a great believer in life. Everything happens for a reason. I frantically got on to um, and started to contact all medical cannabis companies across um, Canada, and to which um, Afria 
um, a, a, a cannabis company it, it, um, stepped in in uh, Canada and said, look, um, we've seen George's case. I, I sent them, you know, what they needed. They said, we don't make that specific formulation, but um, we've seen George's case and we will, were willing to make that formulation. They had four weeks to turn that around, which they did. And in four weeks, they made that formulation. And again, Simon and different people helped in the home office to get it imported in the licenses through quickly. And um, they further to that, Afria said that they weren't going to charge us any money for that medication. And they actually named it, they actually named it George's Hope. And they imported it into the into the uh, UK first. And 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 thank thank God they've been paying for her medication ever since um for us um at whatever a cost it is to them plus all they, they even pay for the import fees they pay for everything and make sure as a family that that georgia gets her medication um every month without fail and she is thriving richard she is doing absolutely fantastic she is her smile came back her giggles back she's a happy four-year-old child she started school she actually is she attends a private physio um classes and is uh took her first assisted steps about a month ago um on the treadmill and that we told we were told she would never be able to walk and she's they're they're very confident that she's going to be walking by next year Uh, it is just absolutely amazing and sometimes i look back at the journey we've traveled and i just cannot believe it i cannot believe the journey that 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 we've went through and it changed you know people often say to me um you you know you you must feel brilliant as as a dad what you did in the journey and you know you saved george's life and i've always said to everybody no georgia saved my life she made me realize what was important in life and i've always been in business my whole life um and, and in various roles from construction to hospitality and I always thought it was about business and that side of things. And I and, and after Georgia, I just discovered that life had a greater meaning and a purpose. And that Georgia showed me what was important. And I, I she transformed my life to understand that all the things that I thought that mattered and the roller coaster journey that I went on and, and with my own mental health and the barriers and the blocks that I had to go through with it all. Um, the scene where Georgia is today, is, it's all been worthwhile. She's just fantastic, amazing. And I decided to change my career and, and make um, my career all about medical cannabis and about helping others. So you went from campaigning from her to your campaigning for other people. And you've also you've also made a business out of in, in this sphere. So CBD and medical cannabis yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, it's 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 now it's now in my career. I uh I started to um I did some talks. Um, I was asked to uh, to speak at different events around the world, and I was asked to speak at an event in Malta. And I actually brought Georgia with me to the event. It was the first time she'd ever been out of the country, and I thought to myself that you know what, Georgia needs to get out and see the world. And I brought her with us to to Malta. She absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved the the heat and loved loved Malta. And um, I got up and did a did a speech on my on 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 my and George's journey and our family's journey. And um, she uh, the the which somebody was in the audience called Ricky Brar. And Ricky's the CEO of Brains uh, Biosutico. And Rick came to me after the after the. Um, after I talked, he was very emotional. And he said to me, the journey you've been on is absolutely fantastic. Your knowledge that you have created for yourself over the last two years is phenomenal. Your the, the regulations, the system, what you know, he says is more than what my guys know. He says it's, it, 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 it's real, you know, it was really, really, he was really inspired. And he says, you, could we meet in London and could we have a chat? So we met in London about a month later. And uh, he told me all about brains and what they were doing and that they owned this facility in the UK called BSPG Labs and that they were coming at this all from the science side of things. Um, I, I went through my own journey with medical cannabis and I realized a lot 
you know, we see a lot even today, Richard, in the media where, you know, we're, we're, we're all very critical of the of the NHS, the system, the the politicians, the the, the Matt Hancock, etc. I've started to discover a lot that it's not it's not them individuals' fault. It's it's the process. It's the it's it's what we have in place. It's our system within the United Kingdom that what we have, and and because we have a, a national health service, puts us in a very different position in a lot of other countries we have a higher bar a higher threshold that has to be met and you know we have to to make these these situations you know uh, show what what is happening so with brains and their science side and what they were doing very much fitted in now to my thoughts of on how I wanted to progress um you know I, I understood that these trials need to happen and that we need to do and um, these trials within the UK so that when you know we're approaching this two-year anniversary you know this is this is it November when it was legalized right so when, when it was uh, when it was legalized and you know it'll be two years and it'll be another two years if we don't do something about it and and uh, you know and, and and that's my thoughts on you know we need to now roll up our sleeves we need to do the do the do the work that is necessary um, you know, I'm not saying that, of course, there is there, you know, there's there's people out there with clinical need who need access now, but there's a two pronged approach to this. There's that clinical need approach, the Georges, the, you know, the 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 uh, Billies, the Alfies, the 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 rest of our, our, our group, um, the end our pain children, etc., that all need access today that they have shown that this is working for them through this process. And there needs to be a. Uh, which seems to be the, the the way forward, which I've always believed the way forwards to that is shared care and working with the, the the GP and the clinician in order to get that medication through the NHS and funded through the NHS. Because, you know, make, make, make no bones about it, Richard, the, the NHS is not going to start widespread prescriptions of, of medical cannabis tomorrow, next month or in six months time. They're not going to do it. That's not how our system works. That's it's never happened ever with any medication in the history of the United Kingdom. It's going to be a process and we have to work with the doctors. We have to work with the NHS. We have to sit at the table and and get this moving and and, and help the patients. Because, you know, when I what really drives me, Richard, is there's you know, there's thousands of Georges out there and we have to make sure that we that we help each and every one of them. That's going to be my next my next question because you you um, I mean George has been lucky enough to get a private prescription and there have been a very small number of NHS prescriptions. But you think the thing standing in the way it's not that there are any kind of dodgy invisible hands. It's just that it's the need for clinical trials. That's the thing. It's it's way. a process that has to be followed. It's not a process that we all necessarily always agree with. But it's a long-standing process that is in place in the United Kingdom. There is, you know, people say there's lots and lots of evidence out there, but how can these other countries do it? And they can just prescribe. The the threshold that they have in them other countries are is a totally different medical system than what we have with a national health system. It is a totally different process. It's like it's it's the equivalent of why we can have private clinicians prescribe in the UK because it's down to that individual doctor to make that decision. When you're dealing with the National Health Service, it's not down to an individual doctor. It's down to boards. It's down to it's down to the trusts. It's down to the whole mechanism of how this works. It's down to organizations such as NICE, such as the BPNA, such that all these people to come on board and, and bring them on our journey as we move forwards. Do I believe but that 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 that's the only answer and that we it has to be trials no it has to be a two-pronged approach so it has to be a pro- approach where we have where unmet clinical need is met where you have a case like george's where you have you know six different types of of, of medications have been tried nothing is working end of life care is coming into into play and we have got georgia on her medication and we have shown now georgia in the last 18 months it's no longer a, a conversation of should Georgia be on it or not, because we know she should. We know what's working for. It's now a funding issue. And, um, you know, that conversation is now it's, it's, it's a separate conversation. So, you know, 
there has to be this two-pronged approach. So we need to come to two solutions. We need to say, how do we help the people who have urgent clinical medical need now today? How do we get them access and get it? And, and, and that, I think, has a, you know, that's a very complex answer to that question. You know, we have to do our bit within the private sector, within the private clinics, et cetera, to drive down costs, which I'm very, very passionate about. I know what we're very passionate about at Brains is driving down the costs and getting access to the patients. Um, we work along with um, various organizations to do that, um, like uh, Grow Biotech in the, in the UK as well. They're very, very passionate, again, about driving the costs down of private medical prescriptions and the cost of the medications. So, was, it's, dri- so, it's, dri- so it's driving the costs down until until, until, we can, all, until these, we can... all these processes have gone through with the NHS and we can get... Do you think there will be? Do you think there will be a situation in a few years where all the children, like Georgia and Billy and Alfie, that need it, they'll all get? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. But till till we get to that stage, we're going to have to work hard to. You know, we have to remember these doctors were not taught anything about the endocannabinoid system in in medical school. So yeah. no, they, 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 they don't understand about they a lot of them are scared. A lot of these doctors are very, very good people with good hearts who want to help people. I just want to say, well, it's amazing to the way your face lit up when you're talking about the, the treatment for Georgia and you know just her getting her quality of life back. And it sounds like you're doing really good work for to, to try and help other children in the same position. So if people want to find out more, it's brains bioceutical. Yeah, name of the company, and you mentioned also. I think we should mention end our pain because this everyone mentions this is a charity that's working for children yeah, like yeah, Georgia, but they they have they've done done very well. Peter's done very well in helping a lot of the 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 children um, progress and things move forwards. He's tried different various roads to try and get help. I think it's now came to the stage where hopefully everybody's now sort of seeing that the only the 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 next road as you would say the next bit of the process of this travel i always say it's baby steps forward yeah old... amazing robert emerson thank you very much thanks all best thank you bye-bye bye Thanks again to Robin Emerson. The company he works for is Brains Bioceutical. That's brainsbioceutical.com. And that charity that was so helpful in getting Georgia her cannabis medicine was End Our Pain. That's endourpain.org. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast on Instagram. Thanks very much for listening. (laughs) 